Well, welcome back for another episode of Rocks, Roots, and Ruts. I'm Chris Elmore, and this is a podcast focused on fitness, trail running, ultra running, and just balancing life. I'm uh, 42 years old, and I've got a family, and I like to talk to people of all experiences that can try and help folks uh, fit in fitness, inspire them, give them tips, all types of things. And today's guest, I'm excited to talk to Anthony Gilbert. He is 43 years old. He's from Tulsa. And he is very similar to me in the sense that uh, he has a family and a career and he's training for ultras and he's run different distances. He's uh, run 50Ks and 50 milers and he's shooting for a 100 miler. So I'm excited to be able to share with you and get him get to share his story about things he's gone through. So that is what we're going to be doing today. But first, I'd like to say thank you to Head Sweats. I am a Head Sweats ambassador, which means I get to represent their band or their brand. I have the honor of doing that. And I have always loved Head Sweats. I've been using them since 2006, way before I was ever an ambassador for Ironman. They make amazing hats and visors and beanies and headbands. So if you like that type of stuff, I highly recommend their gear. It is really, really, really nice. You can go to headsweats.com and you can use the code CJ25. CJ is C-J-A-Y-E-2-5 and you're going to get 25% off everything on their website. And like I said, it's the gear that you see me wearing all the time. It's the hat I have on now. I always say that they have magic hats that never show sweat lines. So check that out. You'll get 25% off. Uh, and uh, enjoy the product. I'd also like to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. Uh, they are the folks that are behind this, behind me, helping me continue to create better content and fund some of my equipment as I try and improve the quality and add more things like the podcast and continue to add more videos. Those Patreon supporters get access to a lot of my content early. So you get video releases early, you get extra inside uh, kind of behind the scenes videos and pictures and, and uh, things that I put together. So if you are interested in being a part of that, you can go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash CJ media. And right there, you will be able to join a community that is growing of people that have kind of constant access to me. I got a, a question last night. Actually, folks just shoot it to me. Those types of questions. I'm trying to get back to anybody that sends me stuff, but the people with Patreon, they send me questions and I try and give them uh, my undivided attention to help them with whatever they're looking for. So uh, thanks to those folks. I appreciate your support. But now let's hop on in to this episode with Anthony Gilbert. Out. All right, well, we are live, and I have my guest, Anthony Gilbert, on with me. And I uh, just want to say welcome, Anthony. Thanks for coming on uh, this morning. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, I met Anthony through uh, one of my previous guests. You'll remember um, Family Fit Habit and Brandon, and he and you have connected online, uh, apparently. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, now you live, you don't live near him. Where are you in? Are you in Oklahoma? 
I am. I'm uh, about 20 minutes south of Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. So then we connected and I've been watching you and all of the stuff you're doing and you're kind of going through a lot of the same things I feel like I've been going through as far as training for your first 100 mile or, you know, your your first 100 mile completion at, uh, at a race and going through all the growing pains and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how uh, everybody starts to have kind of the same kind of uh, issues and that's why I guess that's probably what makes it uh, really cool is everyone feels the same pains. Yeah, over time, you uh, everyone at some point will have, it seems, they go through these lists of kind of growing pain uh, injuries or issues or they run into the same situation in a race or struggling with the same piece of gear. So it's really neat to be able to connect with with folks. Now, let's start with a little bit as to set the stage as to where kind of where you're at, your age, and then um, a little bit about family, what you do, and, and then we'll work through kind of your running. Sure. So uh, I'm 43. Um, I'll be 44 this summer. Um, been married. It'll be 20 years in July, and I've got four Congratulations. Kids. Thank you. Four kids. Uh, pretty big milestone. So four kids. Uh, my oldest is a, my daughter, and she's 17. And then I have three boys that are 12, 9, and 4. So I've got my hands full. Yeah, that's full house. Yeah. Now, how old are, was your youngest? Four. Four. And your oldest was 17? Yeah. That's a good spread there. Yeah, it is a good spread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are those uh, buying those diapers again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get out of those. Um, probably the, the thing that we always, uh, you know, it's like after we uh, got uh, my second son, Aiden, out of diapers and everything, you know, we kind of took a, a time off. And then, you know, then the last one showed up and it was like, man, here we go again. And But it's like we had sold everything off, gotten rid of all the baby stuff. And that's kind of the bad thing. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, mine are two years apart. So technology even changed just in those two years, right? As far as yeah. what was available for a, like a, um, the cameras and things like that, right? The screen and the camera and the room and all that stuff. And in two years, it was totally different, right? Color screen, multiple cameras. And I can only imagine, uh, you know, going 17 years ago to today, when you look at, you know, how different things are. Uh, the technology is ridiculous. I'll sit there and you know, stuff on Facebook will pop up as memories. And, you know, I used to have a handheld camera and, you know, those types of things and a little flip phone and the recordings were so granular and just horrible. And then it's like, then you start looking at the stuff from this, you know, the last four years and it's like, wow, just totally makes a difference. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. Yeah, it's funny because you'll the well, who knows, uh, 17 or 20 years from now, we may look at the HD videos we're shooting now and be like, look how grainy that is. Exactly. <laughs> As we're watching them from our VR sets and uh, <laughs> it'll be a whole different experience. Exactly. So now um, your youngest is four. So that I kind of said for me when my youngest turned four or five is where it gave me... Uh, I don't know, more flexibility, but they, you know, she was able to get up, she could change her clothes and, you know, then it allowed me to do more training. It became easier yeah. on my wife because she wasn't waking my wife up. Uh, I could go out for a run, I'll come back and she's sitting on the couch with her iPad, right? So that, yeah. that's a, a lot easier. Are you kind of getting to that stage now? 
well, <laughs> I can relate to what you're saying, but um, I have unique challenges as it is. Um, most of my training I do in the, in the evening. Ah, uh, okay. It's because I'm one, not usually a morning person. So I, I like my sleep. I like to sleep a little later than I should. Um, I'm just a night owl uh, naturally. And so I'll do a lot of my training after I get the uh, the boys in bed. And so most yeah. of the time it's, and you know, during the week it's usually a shorter run anyway. So I get them in bed, but if, you know, like this week is spring break, they're not wanting to go to bed. You know, they're like, it's spring break. I don't want to go to bed. I, we don't have school. And so then it starts cramping my, my training because they're up later. And so that means I'm not going to be able to get my run in like I want to, or I'm going to have to either take a rest day or take a shorter run or figure something else out. So, um, if I do go for a long run on a Saturday, um, or a Sunday, it's usually everyone's still asleep. And so it's good. Cause you know, he, he, he sleeps pretty good. And, um, when he wants to, um, but you know, if I'm going for a long run on a, on a weekend, you know, the, the house is out. So, and th that gives me flexibility, but trying to get the, the boys in bed on a school night, you know, I try to get them in bed by around eight 30 or so. And, and so then, you know, I'll get out for my run around nine, sometimes nine 30. And so I can put in a good hour, hour and a half before it's getting, you know, getting later. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, it's like the exact opposite. But my wife tells me the same thing that, you know, as the kids get older, they're going to want to stay up later. So, you know, I roll out of bed at four in the morning and, um, you know, it's all quiet. I have everything to myself. I can go train and, you know, they're, they get up between six and six thirty most days. Some, they are starting to sleep a little later, um, going through phases. So, although I don't mind them getting up early because I, I, I really, dread the days of trying to drag them out of bed to go to school when they're yeah. when they're there to that point but yeah that's that's always the this the funny thing is is at what point will i not be able to go to bed at 8 30 because it's like okay you have to go to bed so i can go to bed or at what point will they be tucking me into bed and staying up late <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're going out so you you said you sleep in so it what time is it there where i'm recording we're recording at 5 a.m in california so is it seven yeah, it's seven. All right. So are you usually up at this time? Or yeah, usually um, I, I'm on vacation today, but usually, you know, at seven, I'm on the way out the door going to work. All right. All right. Now, what kind, what type of work do you do? So I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a project manager, business analyst for a, uh, for an oil company here in Tulsa. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw in your story, you said you, uh, you moved back to Tulsa after college. Is that when you, when you, were you, you were in Kansas and then you moved to Tulsa? Is that right? Yeah. My, my dad worked for a, for an oil, well, for a gas company. So we moved, you know, um, you know, they, they talk about army brats moving every couple of years. Right. And so we moved about every two to three years. And so, you know, I grew up in Kansas and lived in Kansas and Nebraska and then down into Houston. And then we moved up to, uh, Oklahoma. And then, uh, once I got done with college, you know, I've, I've been in Oklahoma ever since, um, I lived just outside of Oklahoma city for 12 years and then got a job offer up here and wasn't sure if I wanted to move back up to Tulsa, um, <clears throat> just because I'd been comfortable where I was at, but, um, it was, it was the right opportunity and Tulsa's got a great running community. And that's one of the things I had missed, um, with some of the urban wilderness type stuff that we have here in Tulsa. And so been here now six years now. 
Oh, okay. It's more uh, recent than I, I thought it was then. Um, so as far as talk through a little bit of your running history, you, you basically have been running since you were a toddler, it sounds like, uh, getting on the Run track with your parents. parents. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, um, the, the story goes that my parents um, said I had lots of energy, which I don't deny that. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't mind having some of that extra energy nowadays. But, <laughs> Isn't it backwards? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> and sorry if my voice starts to go out. Um, they, uh, they would take me out to the track when they would go walking and they said that I would run around the track. And usually I guess there was a, an older gentleman that would, um, that would run laps and they said I would follow him and I would, I would keep up with him and run. So that's basically, I've been running since well, I guess you could say I've been running since birth almost, um, <clears throat> here and there. And then I, uh, I really started getting into running. I mean, I've played sports my whole life. So I grew up playing baseball and soccer, um, basketball, basketball was my first passion, just like, you know, much like Brandon, um, was, and that's one of the things that really kicked us off is we got a lot of similarities, um, in our lives. Hey. Yeah, you said that you are are in the email when we were exchanging. Did you say you're six four? Six seven. Six seven. That's right. My <laughs> brother in law is six seven, and uh, I believe that's as how tall Darth Vader is. Actually, he's <laughs> six seven. So we always tease him. We were somewhere. I forget where we were. We were at a some sort of. Uh, tourist thing like a ice cream factory or something we were all together as family and they had this uh lines on this on the wall and they had famous people and he's six seven and darth vader is who is six seven i guess that's famous um so we always tease him that he's as tall as uh darth vader but being six seven it's funny i had just uh had a question a few shows ago when i was doing the live shows and someone was asking about being a runner that's six seven and is at a disadvantage you know being that tall so i you know I don't know very many really tall ultra runners, you know, how, how do you feel that's affected you or is it a, an advantage? Um, well, let's just say, you know, some people are like, man, your looks are deceiving. I can say that much because people, you know, with me being six, seven, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big, you know, height wise. Um, I stay pretty naturally slender, but they don't think I'm moving very fast. And so when I catch up to them, they're like, wow, he's actually moving pretty fast for his size. <laughs> um, I will say that um, I probably don't stride out as much as I would like to, but you know, my strides, you know, usually equal two or three strides of, you know, a shorter runner. Um, yeah, there's advantages and there's just disadvantages. Of course, you know, the advantages being tall, you know, you're naturally, you're going to have a, like I said, you're going to have a, a, a longer stride. Um, probably say probably one of the disadvantages of being um, ultra tall <laughs> uh, as an ultra runner, you know, your body takes more of a beating, you know, the, I would say probably gravity starts to mess with you a little bit because if you fall on the trails, um, naturally you're going to fall a lot further. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> a little closer to the ground. And so um, <clears throat> I'm like a, a tree in the forest when it cut, gets cut down, you know, it's going to fall and it's going to have some momentum behind it. So, um, fortunately I've not really suffered any major injuries falling, but, um, I can tell you, it does not feel very good. It falls a fall, but, um, when you're coming from a little higher up, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. <clears throat> but, um, no, I'd say that that's, uh, being tall, um, as a runner, honestly, I don't think it has any more 
advantage. Everyone's got advantages and disadvantages. You know, shorter runners can go quicker and cutting in and out of things. But, you know, being a bigger runner, you know, especially like when you have a, a big group um, at, a, say, a marathon or something, you can kind of push your way through and you can see where everybody, you know, it reminds me of when I uh, ran the Oklahoma City Marathon um, for my first marathon. It was kind of uh, a little intimidating, but it was I could see where the, the starters were at and I could just see the waves of runners um, once they sounded the gun. And it was it was pretty cool to watch. But, you know, I have a perspective to be able to see from up above um, a lot of other people. But then it's like I can almost see too much um, rather than those that are kind of, you know, tucked further down. Um, can't see where the where the start is at. So you just kind of, you know, roll with it. But, you know, it, um, I wouldn't say it's too much of an advantage or disadvantage versus someone, you know, shorter. Um, everyone's got you know, things being taller, you know, you've got times where you have back issues and, and things like that. But I've not really ever noticed anything, um, too much, much being a tall runner. Yeah. Well then, uh, well, my brother-in-law who's that tall has issues getting, uh, shoes. I think he's like a size 17, uh, foot. So, you know, we want to go and do cross country skiing. He's got to buy, custom-made cross-country ski shoes or you know things like that i mean he really doesn't even need snowshoes practically when we go out but so are do you have issues with shoes at all or thankfully i do not chris um <laughs> you know for 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 as being as big as i am you'd be surprised i only wear a size 13 so i have small feet for someone my size and so yeah there's some challenges of going out and finding size 13 but i've normally been able that's pretty much 13 is getting close to the cutoff where you're going to have to go get something specialized um but yeah but most most of, most of the time you can probably find 13s in the store uh, yeah you know they might be out of stock more but at least it's a commonly carried size it's pretty common and they don't normally you know now selection might be limited um if i wanted you know a different color or you know, a different model. You know, I might have to order it online, but for the most part, you know, 13s, they're either going to have them or they're not going to have them. So, right. yeah, exactly. So, well, that's a good. So then you ran through high school and then into college. Is that right? Yep. So <clears throat> I mainly ran in, in high school. You know, I did cross country and, and track and field and kind of cross country was my way of, uh, getting ramped up condition wise for mm -hmm. basketball and you know instead of just you know doing short sprints and stuff like that for basketball i had some mm -hmm. long endurance and things like that with cross country and uh and since basketball was my first you know passion per mm -hmm. se um you know that's kind of what i pushed through for basketball uh, for high school but um with cross country <clears throat> I enjoyed it because of, you know, running in the, you know, the non-traditional type settings, golf courses and, and hidden trails and things like that. And, you know, that, that brings the adventure side out of things to where, you know, you're running and you can, you know, the dirty runners like to grab tree branches and let them swing back and hit somebody as you're running. Right. So uh, <laughs> I've done that a few times. I've had that done to me a few times, but um, I played basketball all four years through high school. And, um, honestly, um, it got to where I felt like basketball was becoming more of a job, um, rather than a, a passion or a love. Um, it, uh, it got to where I was having some, I had some ankle injuries 
Um, <clears throat> and so that, uh, that caused me some issues. And so I was like, you know, maybe I need to do something that's a little less um, physical. Now, of course, running can be very physical, as we both know, but not necessarily as physical as basketball would beat on me. Um, and I kind of got burned out with my coach. And so that kind of led me back to where I was like, you know, I'd rather be running um, than playing basketball all the time. So and you can run anywhere. Basketball, you have to have a, you know, you have to have a basket and a ball. And so running. Um, naturally with something it's like you can go and run anywhere you want to and so um, it was at the state um, track meet my my senior year where uh, where I was recruited to uh, go collegiate it was a junior college in Kansas um, but I signed a letter of intent to go run um, cross-country indoor track and field and so that's where I made the separation um, and transition from being a basketball player basically into being a runner. Okay. Yeah. So then <laughs> you got out of college and you, I think you said, uh, did you take some breaks in there after school? Yeah. And then eventually you, you, uh, you attempted your first marathon or you did your first marathon. Yep. Um, what year was that? That was 2013. Um, I had, uh, you know, for the most part, the running that I would do after college, you know, we ran eight K's and mostly, and you know, a few five K's and I ran my first um, half marathon, um, my freshman year in college. And it's still to this day is my PR, which it's kind of frustrating that the first time out I go out and I knock out a PR and I haven't been able to hit it since. <laughs> um, I ran a 138 um, for my half marathon. And I know that's not incredibly fast, but for me, I felt like that's pretty fast. Um, it's quick for me. <laughs> um, so I, uh, you know, I mainly ran, you know, five K's and things like that. So that were just, you know, not real competitive. Um, I would just go out and I would run it. And then I could, I took a couple of years off of just, you know, I would still run, but it was that, Hey, you know, I'm going to feel like going for a run today and just put the shoes on and go for a couple miles. And that was it. It wasn't like I was following a training plan or anything like that. And then I started having some it band issues. And at the time, I didn't have the knowledge that I do now of what IT bands are. I just figured it was some kind of runner's knee, and I just needed to take a break. I'd get yeah. in about three miles into my run, and my knee was just screaming at me, you need to stop. And then it's like as soon as I stopped running, it stopped hurting. And I'm like, I don't get it. And so I was dealing with IT band issue, and so I, I took some time off and tried to figure out what was going on with my knee. I never went to the doctor. I'm stubborn. And uh, just let it. You know, basically after about six to eight weeks, it pretty much healed up and then I didn't have any more issues. Um, in November of 2012, um, it, it's a boneheaded thing, but um, we had an attic <clears throat> in our garage. And so I went up into the attic um, to get some stuff and I was coming down out of the attic and I was about probably two, two and a half feet up off the ground. And I've done it numerous times. Um, I... Uh, I'd ran a 15 K the day before. So my, my, my feet were a little fatigued and I hopped off of the, I hopped off of the ladder. Um, just, you know, just to basically just jump down. Yep. And when I did that, <clears throat> my, uh, my, my right foot, which is my bad ankle. Um, I didn't land. I pretty much landed with all my weight on that ankle. And, uh, when I, when I landed, it completely gave way uh. and, Let's just say that, uh, you know, kind of like your life flashes before your eyes. It's like <laughs> all my all my training and everything, <clears throat> everything flashed before my eyes. And it was just that instant 
that pain, it shot through my entire body and I just, I screamed out. And of course my family's in the other, you know, other part of the house and they hear me slam into the, the washer and the dryer. Uh-oh. Everybody comes hearing, running. They're, <laughs> they're hearing me scream and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, and so I'm laying there and it's like, the first thing I said is, um, oh, my training, my training, I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, cause Priorities. You, know, you suffered enough injuries in your ankle, you know, that feeling and you know, you're going to be sidelined for a, a good long while. And so, um, that was in November of 2012 and I'd been training for my marathon. And so I went to the doctor and he put me in a walking, walking cast, basically, um, he saw some damage in my ankle that he wasn't sure if it was current or if it was from all the ankle injuries I had from basketball and said, we'll give it some, some time and, and see how you're doing in a couple weeks. And then if, uh, if things don't you know, progress the way we want them to, then we'll talk other options. Um, I wore that walking boot for uh, about six weeks. It was driving me crazy and I wanted to get back, back to running, but I knew I had to take my time. So it was all soft that. tissue. It wasn't any sort of fracture or anything. No, it was, I probably would have been better off breaking it, but, um, yep. it was a third degree sprain or third degree. I don't know how you, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know all the terminology, but it was a, basically a partial tear of the ligament in my ankle. And so it was third degree. So it was, you know, I basically, um, almost completely tore my ligament. Um, yeah. and so that was pretty severe and it's, and that's what I've been dealing with, um, recently it's flared back up. And so, it's like it doesn't want to go away. Um, but uh, I remember it was the 1st of, Jan 1st of January. It's like it's a new year. Um, this is my my resolution. Um, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start running again. I'm like I'm being stubborn and hard-headed, and I put, a, you know, I put a, uh, a good brace on it. I still have that brace that I've been wearing lately and wrapped it up and went out to see if I could run. I just wanted to see how it would feel. And it wasn't the most enjoyable, enjoyable run I've ever had, but it felt good enough to where um, I was able to put pressure on it and I was able to walk on it. So I was like, I'm going to give it a good test and it went out and it was fine. And so from January until April, I ramped up my training and went out and completed my first marathon in April of 2013. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, I can speak to ankle injuries. It was <laughs> my daughter was only six months old, my first daughter. And we took a trip to Aspen with a bunch of family. And we had, we were going to be there eight days. We had like five day ski passes and, and all of this stuff. We get there, we had a condo right across from ski resort. And I go walking in my uh, running shoes. At that time, it was, um, it was like ultra, the flat, you know, running road yeah. shoes. So they're super slick on the bottom. We go walking across carrying all of our stuff and I hit black ice and rolled my ankle immediately. Never even made it to the snow. We were maybe five feet from the snow and uh, went down and tore seven spots in my ankle. And it was so painful. And when they it got me up and basically carried me you know i got my arms around their shoulders back to the to the um to the condo go to the urgent care emergency room there and he, he basically said yeah you had been better off breaking your ankle than, than tearing all these yeah. ligaments so i can totally feel your pain there because it took forever to to heal it's one of those things that you know that it just 
didn't feel like it got better and you go through all of the stiffness and the rehab and you just it's even mental just feeling you know whether it's better or not you still are always kind of scared that you know it's gonna flare back up like you said absolutely i i don't know how many times chris that you know it's like playing basketball you you're gonna you're gonna expect when you're gonna get you know you got some possible you know opportunities when you could get hurt you know going up for a rebound or whatever but running you know, it's like I can be, I mean, I did it a couple weeks ago, just walking across the street, stepping off the curb, and it had been a little icy, so I avoided some of the ice, and it's just mm-hmm. the way I stepped caused me to tweak an ankle. And it's like, I mean, it does. It can be flat surfaces, and I just just stepped a certain way, and it flares up. And so, and especially when you start dealing with, um, you know, reoccurring of the same ankle. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's frustrating mentally. It's like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if it, <laughs> if it you know, you start saying, am I going to be out for a long time? And your mind starts messing with you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm stronger mentally than that. I'm just going to go out and then I just have to put my mental side. You know what? Just tell yourself to be quiet. I'm going to go out and I'm going to test it and go out and see if it will actually do what it's, you know, I know that physically I probably could do it, but it's the mental side that you got to get past a lot of times just to, uh, you, yeah. you want to err on the side of caution, but you also want to not be, you know, sidelined forever. Yeah. Well, ankle injuries are one of the reasons, you know, I, I never played basketball competitively, but I kind of took it up after college when I was working, a bunch of guys at work would go to the gym and mm-hmm. play basketball. So recreationally I'd go and play and it got to the point where pretty soon I've got ankle braces on both ankles trying to stop from rolling ankles and it's like you know at that point i was probably in my mid-20s but i even recognized you know what i can't take these ankle injuries it's just too easy in basketball to to roll your ankles so yeah my my basketball career career uh recreation was pretty short-lived because i i just as much as i enjoyed it i i felt like i was constantly uh dealing with tweaking my ankle Yep. So now you you did your first marathon. You said, uh, I believe in your email, you talked about kind of we're done with marathons or. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. It's like some people, you know, there's people that don't even have any desire to run a marathon. And, you know, I worked with a guy, he was a pretty competitive runner and he's like, you ought to go out for a marathon. I was like, I don't know. The half marathon had been pretty much you know, the race that I really liked. And I was like, that's just too long to be running. You know, that's a long ways. And it's funny I say that because, you know, they say never say never because I said, I'm not going to run a marathon. And he's like, well, push yourself and see. So I go out and I run it. And, you know, pretty much the training that I'd done, you know, after that injury, um, I'd only been more or less doing a half marathon training plan. So I go out and run my first marathon on half marathon training. Um, and still to this day, that first marathon is a PR. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I was like, you know, and so then I get done with that marathon and I was, Chris, I was, I was in such pain. <laughs> I, it hurt to walk to my car. I sat in my car and it, it was about an hour drive home. I got out of the car. I, I could have crawled, but you know, I, uh, I guess you would say I waddled into the house laid on my bed for the next day or so. I couldn't get out of bed. I hurt in every spot I couldn't even imagine. And um, I got to work, you know, two days later and I said, I'm not running another marathon. There's no way 
I'm done with that. That that's that's ridiculous. He said, you <laughs> one and done. He goes, he goes, you have to run another one. I was like, why? And he's like, to make sure that the first one wasn't a fluke. And I was like, no, there's no fluke there. I did it. You know, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I honestly, you know, I went through every, you know, I, I laughed when I heard people say that they went through every emotional possible running, running a race. I was like, there's no way. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, I loved running when we started and I hated it in the middle and I was, you know, excited and I was mad and I was, you know, just ready to get it over with. And I got done and I was like, I'm done. I'm not running another marathon. I will not run another one. I am done. And right. I, I hung it up for about, oh, I think probably about two months. I was like, I, I had no desire to run and I was just ready to just do whatever. <clears throat> and, um, Two months goes by and I put the shoes back on and I start training again. And I, I had no desire to run a marathon, but I was like, I'm going to keep running. And I got that desire to, to start training again and, and just ran. I pretty much after that would run five and 10 Ks. And then I moved to Tulsa and things changed. Um, I got, <clears throat> I guess it's a good influence or you could say they were bad influences depending on how you look at it. But I started getting around some of the people that I know in the running community, and um, they uh, they started enticing me to run further distances and training for longer races. And I think to date, I've now ran um, 14 um, marathons or, or greater since then. So um, never nice. say never because uh, <laughs> it's it's led to to more. And then of course you know that's led to even further. Yeah. Now. <clears throat> With all this running, we didn't really talk about uh, your wife at all. How is how is she? Um, is she like it? Supportive? My wife puts up with whatever I do. She's very supportive of it, but she certainly isn't interested in doing it. She's done a half marathon, and uh, and and you know, it's just not her thing. Yeah, she uh, <clears throat> she's not a a, a runner. Um, she is supportive. Um, she wants to be able to run, but she's had some knee issues, but she's still trying to, uh, to get up to where she would like to be able to run a 5k. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she's accepted it. It's one of those, one of those things. It's not really her thing. Um, she doesn't like when it takes away a lot of time from the family, which I understand that. And I don't like it either. Um, she'll support me. Um, but she doesn't like me running the longer distances. Like I can tell you that much because she's always hearing stuff about runners, you know, that have had health issues. And she's like, I need you and I don't want something to happen to you. And so she has that love and concern, um, as a, as a wife, um, that she doesn't want something to happen to me, which I respect. And I completely understand that, but she puts up with it. Um, she, you know, she thinks I'm half crazy, um, yeah. as do yeah. most other people, but you know, She's good with it as long as it doesn't interfere too much with family time. Yeah, that, that's always the balance is trying to get in enough training, enough training and enough working out that you feel you've done the work, but um, also putting in the family time and making sure, you know, obviously you want to be there as much as you can, but making sure they feel that you're there as much as you should be. And uh, my wife, that's another concern you hit it, the nail on the head. My wife is always concerned about, okay, you're 42 years old in 15 years when you aren't working and we can travel the world. 
Are you going to be able to walk all over Paris, walk the stairs at wherever yeah. we're at and, and be capable? And, and, you know, when we're finally there, am I going to be the one that doesn't want to leave the couch because uh, my, my body's broken down? Yeah. And, you know, going through kind of the stuff that I've been going through recently after, especially after some of the longer races, you know, when you're kind of hobbling around, she was telling one of the kids the other day, she's like, I hate to see that your dad can't even hardly walk. Um, and he's hobbling around. And he's laid up. She doesn't like that because then I'm useless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a big baby. I'm not getting up and doing anything. And so then she's having to pull, you know, my weight too. And so then that's where it gets frustrating. And she's like, you know, you got to take care of your body. And, you know, you got to listen. She starts coaching me. She's like, you need to listen to your body. And, you know, you got to listen to what's going on. I'm like, yes, I know. I know. I get that. And so, um, you know, I listen to my body, but She's like, you always listen to everybody else, but you don't want to listen to what I'm saying and what I'm saying is important. <laughs> and I said, well, it's, it's not that I don't want to listen to what you have to say. It's because I know that you're right. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know, we've got this kind of this joke. We've got a pair of coffee mugs that says, you know, Mr. Right and Mrs. Always Right. And that's pretty much how it is, is I might be right, but she's always right. Yeah, and exactly. So I, <laughs> you got to listen to her. So, and I, I completely understand her concern. Um just for longevity purposes, you know, that, you know, like you said, you know, 15 years from now, am I going to be able to, you know, move around and, and take care of myself and not be, you know, hampered by, you know, a long-term um, injury? Yep. Yeah. That's always, uh, she always says, you know, people work out to be healthy. You take it to extremes and work out to actually not be healthy. It's like the exact opposite of what you should be doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say though, it's funny. Um, you know, doing uh, the Ironman and things like that where I've run, that, those are really the only marathons I've run, right? I did my Catalina 50K and that race especially, and then the 62 I did last weekend, one thing I found and that I'm going to do from here on out is I walked a ton afterwards. In the past, I would get done with a race and plop down, right? You, you, uh -huh. Most of the time, you drive home, you spend the day relaxing, but I didn't do that at this, uh, the 62 miler. And then when I was in Catalina, naturally the house is really far away from where I was staying and I walked around the town and I felt great. And my recovery was so much quicker where yeah. I thought for sure I would be laid up after the 62 miles for a good week and really walking I swear from now on after every race, I'm, my goal is to go walk five miles, you know, and just walk, you know, every few hours because I feel that it really got rid of all the soreness and I never was really laid up to say. I totally agree, Chris, because I know um, on some of my longer races, um, you know, the races where I got a car and I drove home for, you know, two or three hours or however long it might be, um, I, I really get, you know, the muscles get stiff and you get tight. Um, but the races that I've ran, you know, there's been a couple marathons, a couple half marathons where as soon as the, the race was done, I walked, I went, you know, there was one in particular where I went shopping with the family and we walked around target and some other places for a couple of hours afterwards. By the time I got home that evening, I felt great. I'm like, I ran a race today. How is that possible? I figured I'd be laid up, but the more, like you said, the more you walk after you get done running a race, your muscles relax. Um, I think the recovery is a lot better and it's just like when someone's had surgery, you know, they, the, the quicker they get up and moving around, they recover quicker. Just like my wife did when she had our, our last son, it's like every pregnancy after, you know, 
she got done with having the babies, it's like it was better each time. And so the recovery for me, when I've gotten around to where I'm moving around after the race and not just laying in a couch or, or a chair, man, I feel great the next day. People are like, you went out and ran how far yesterday? And like, you know, I went out and ran 44 miles yesterday or whatever it was. Yeah. Might be. And they're like, and you're still walking. And I'm like, yeah, because I, you know, I was able to walk around and, and stay, you know, limber, but yeah, that's man, one I, of the you know, comments I, I get, I you know, online walk. a lot is man, I'll do a 20 mile run and the rest of the day I'm shot. I'm on the couch and my husband or my wife is giving me a hard time. And, and honestly, I think because I try and keep my wife as happy as I can and I get home from training, I take a shower and, and we we're moving, um, that I just didn't really notice the effect until I recently did these races where I kind of had to do the same thing afterwards and, and walk and walk and walk. And yeah, from here on out, I think that's, that's going to be my key is just walking after running. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like, I just ran a hundred miles. The last thing I want to do is walk five miles, but the reality exactly. is, is walking those five miles are going to be what makes all the difference in the world. So, well, let's get into how you got into trail running and um, kind of what you've accomplished there and, and then what you're working towards. Sure. So, um, uh, kind of like I mentioned earlier with Tulsa having a lot of urban wilderness. Um, there's a, there's an area here in Tulsa called Turkey mountain, um, urban wilderness. Um, I think it's, I, I'm probably going to mess this up. I think it's like 440, um, acres. I don't remember what the actual square foot, you know, the acreage is, but it's very large, um, area in Tulsa. Um, that's natural. Um, you know, there's lots of, um, there's lots of terrain and, you know, as you've looked through, you know, some of my training stuff, I've, I've trained out there quite a bit. Um, you know, there's, there's nice hills and there's steep hills and there's some smaller ones. There's lots of, there's lots of trails. Some of them are marked and well marked. And then some are, you know, more of a, you have to kind of where you're going to, uh, to get where you're needing to go. But, it's a great area to go and run and to walk. And it's so busy out there, especially when the weather's nice on the more popular trails. And for those of us that are adventurous, we like to go in the areas that, you know, aren't, you know, the path less traveled, as you would say. And so that area is just full of just awesomeness. And so that's kind of where I got into really started to enjoy the love of trails is when we, you know, this is the second time that I've lived in the Tulsa area. Um, we lived in the Tulsa area, um, when we first got married and then we moved. And so that's, you know, I, I would go out there and I'm like, man, I love running on trails. And of course, you know, the love from cross country kind of poured out into that. And so I just really enjoyed running on the trails. Um, I feel like, you know, that's a great time when I can just reflect on things. The scenery changes. Um, it's not boring by any means. I love nature. Um, you can sometimes see wildlife or whatever it might be, but you know, it's, it's constant. It's, you know, there might be a, a root here. There might be a stump there. There's rocks here. It's never dull. It's going to keep you on the top of your literally on the tip of your toes the whole time you're running. But it's just like, you know, you're, you're part of something awesome rather than running on the pavement. And you know what the pavement's going to be. It's just, it's a beating and it's over and over the same thing. And, you know, so I really got to where I, I really enjoyed running on the trails and started running some of the trail races that they would have locally. And it's, you know, I had a friend that just went out and ran on trails for the first time this last week. And he's like, 
I've never ran on trails before. I think that's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's contagious. It's addictive. Yeah. It's an eye opener um, when you take somebody for the first time <laughs> that has never gone on trails per se, right? They may have done some hikes, but when you actually get them out there and they're running hills and they're, the scenery's changing, it just, it, yeah, it really opens their eyes. It's neat to see because, uh, they, they get that appreciation and that bug to want to be on trails more. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a very, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder it's uh there's also a lot of stuff out there as you know you know it's like you don't know when you're going to take that spill down the next hill and so it's kind of that uh yeah it keeps you on your toes it's exciting um you don't know what's coming next whereas when most cases you're on the road you know you pretty much know what's going to be coming down um in front of you um running on on the pavement that's what i always tell marathoners or people running at work and things like that that uh trail running i'll ask me you trail run and you know the no i I do all my running on the road and and i I try and talk to them about those benefits of the fact that when i run on the road you almost just go numb in a sense that you know you you just kind of mentally shut out you know what you're doing per se or you know it's it's not really that exciting but when you're on the trails there is no time to drift off because if you do you're going to hit that rock, right? As you get tired and you're dragging your feet, you're going to stumble and, and it just forces you to be in the moment so much more. And that's, uh, I try and get that across to, to road runners that, you know, it forces you to be in the moment. It always keeps me humble, Chris, because it's like the last time I ran on a trail in a race, um, three weeks ago, about the time you start to feel confident, it's when it gets you. Yeah. Cause I, I had just been telling somebody, man, it's like, I'm having a good race. I haven't fallen today. And about that time, about, you know, 15, 20 seconds after that, I hit a, I hit a, uh, a root and went sprawling. And I was like, I got a little confident there and it, it kept me humble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It puts you right back in your place. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so now you've been, you know, from your Instagram, it looks like you have been doing some, uh, when I, when I followed, you are doing some trail running races, things like that. And you have done, um, some ultras, whether it's 50 Ks, uh, 50 milers, and you, you did do a a hundred miler, right? That was, was that last year? No, it was, it was last month actually. Oh, that was was last month. Okay. It was my first, my first attempt. Um, yeah. Um, back in August, I, I've got a friend of mine that has been, he's completed several hundred milers and, He's what I would call a good, a good, bad influence. He's a good guy and he's a great <laughs> runner and a good friend. And then it's like others would call it a bad influence, but he, he's like, he, he looks at the potential in people and knows that they have the ability to do things. So it's, he's trying to get the best to come out in you. And he's like, it's not that I'm trying to be a bad influence. I just see the potential in you and you ought to go and try to run a hundred miler. And so he's been kind of hounding me for the last three years to, to do one. I'm like, I don't want to do a hundred miles. I did, I did 44, um, three years ago I did 44 and I was like, there is no way I'm running that distance ever again. Once again, I said never. And, uh, I don't want to run further than 44 miles. I saw what, what that did to me and I have no desire for that. And he's like, you just, just think about it. And so back in August, um, they announced a, a race, um, in Southeast Oklahoma at Roberts cave state park. I had, ever been to that portion of the state. Um, and I was just, it was one of those things. It was kind of like at the moment 
and you know, as a as a runner, you sometimes do things um, that you don't normally do in the normal um, aspect of life. Is you just kind of take and roll with it, right? And you just jump at the opportunity. Um, it was an inaugural race, and I they're like, we need we need people to sign up, you know. And so I did, and I was the second person to sign up. So being <laughs> the inaugural race, you know, I got bib number two. Um, there's a friend of mine that got bib number one. I was like, well, I'm gonna jump in and, and get bib number two. So I got bib number two and I was like, I just want to be a part of a, a race that's never been ran before. It's kind of a, a cool unknown. But, um, as we, you know, you sign up for it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to run a hundred mile or I'm committed now. Well, yeah, I was committed and I started doing all the training and, you know, I really started to ramp up the training from August into February. And, um, we started seeing, you know, pictures and, and stuff of what the, course was going to be like <laughs> and uh <clears throat> i'll say this that um it was i bit off more than i could chew literally um my wife's like you go and sign up for 100 miles she didn't want me to sign up for one anyways she's like i don't want you running 100 miles well, i went ahead and did it anyways um she's like you didn't just sign up for 100 miles you signed up for one that was probably one of the hardest ones that anybody would ever even attempt and i was like well that's just me because i like a challenge and i don't want to just go out and run you know, a hundred miles on a straight road because you know, I mean, that just is boring. And so I like the adventure. It was a trail. And not only that, a hundred miler on a trail. Um, but so I get there and as I'm driving there the night before, um, started getting a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm driving, you know, in Oklahoma is not extremely hilly, but there's some areas in Oklahoma that have some, you know, has elevation and Southeast Oklahoma, as it's getting close to the Arbuckle mountains, um, and the Ozarks into Arkansas, there there's Hills. Um, they might call them mountains, but not, not like what they would have in, you know, parts of Utah or California or, or any place like that. But for us, it's not normally, you know, it's not flat and we get there <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to uh, deal with this. And there's not going to be a lot of running because, um, that course um, was so technical that um, it was basically it's it's hiking trail. Right, great and for they, the ankles, they, right? Yeah, there was a lady that that ran or walked it with us. Um, that she made mention that she's like um, every rock that God ever created. Um, those rocks are here, and those rocks <laughs> had babies. So the rocks had babies, and those babies had babies. And so there's rocks upon rocks, and. Um, so it was a majority of what we did was hiking. There was a little bit of running, a lot of hiking. And so I had the mileage logged in my body, but I did not have the preparation for the amount of elevation and the rocks and everything. So it wasn't like a traditional 100 miler that you would just go out and run. Um, it was a lot of mental, uh, mental stuff. And so I went out there. Um, I, it was a test. Um, I know now kind of what to prepare for. Um, you know, I just went out to try to do what I needed to do. I, I have a lot of friends that run 100 milers and they gave me their advice and I took it up as much as I could and tried to apply it to my own race. Um, you know, I, I was on point for nutrition. I was on point for hydration. Um, I was changing socks and shoes and I had no blisters. I kept lubing up my feet and um, I didn't have any of those issues. And every time I would hit a checkpoint, they're like, how are you feeling? I said, I feel great. Now, was it a looped course? 
Yeah, so the first loop was 13, it was a 13 mile loop, and then there was a smaller seven mile loop. So then it gave you a 20 mile um, loop. Yep. And so the first loop, you know, I get 20 miles in and I was like, man, I'm feeling good. And I got that done in about five hours and like 50 minutes, something like that. So I'm, it was it was faster than I anticipated. And then I, I grabbed my headlamp and um, it's like, it's probably going to get dark before I get done with the second loop. Sure enough, about two miles before I got done with the second loop, it got dark and had to turn the headlamp on. But, um, you know, I felt great through the first 40 miles and then it got dark and things change in the dark, as you would know. And, you know, I think, Chris, probably the biggest challenge on that course, um, you know, yeah, I've ran with headlamps before, but you had to have your head down to look to see where the rocks were. And then you had to look up to see where the markers were to go along the course. And that just got really tiring and it was really wore on me. Um, it could see it'd be just mentally draining. Oh, it, you know, it was like. I was looking at my watch and I'm like, okay, I've been out here, you know, 20 hours. I'm like, I wanted to be done in, you know, less than 30 hours. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not even anywhere halfway done and I'm out here for 20 hours. And you start looking at your, I start looking at your watch and that's where I probably should have just put my watch away. Seeing that I'm only averaging a, a mile and a half an hour. And I'm like, I'm only averaging a mile and a half to two miles in an hour period of time. And you start calculating gosh, I'm not going to make the cutoff and I'm not going to have enough time. And so then it started raining on us and you're on trails with rocks and cliffs and crossing creeks. And I start stumbling around everywhere and I step off in the creek and get my feet wet and I start slipping on some of the rocks. I'm like, you know what? And it was so spread out that we were probably about 20, 25 minutes apart anywhere um, that anybody was on the course, if if that uh, limited at all. I mean, there might have been a, a bigger gap than that. And um, I'm like, there was no, well, I say no, but there was very little cell phone signal or coverage. So I have limited cell phone coverage. I'm in a very, um, a very wooded area where there is wildlife and we're spread out. out. I'm like, if I fall and crack my head on one of these rocks, I may not be found. <laughs> yeah, who's going to find me, after. right? <laughs> And it was a week after that um, that runner got attacked by the mountain lion, right? So that, <laughs> that starts messing with you mentally. Like, looking around. Yeah. And you start to hear stuff off in the in the leaves off from the trail. You can't see and you hear stuff. And then you hear the coyotes and everything just starts messing with you in the dark. And I got to mile 47. I'd been out there for 21 hours. And I'm like, I'm going to get at least, you know, they allowed us to um, complete. If you got 50 miles, you were eligible for a buckle. And I'm like, I'm going to get my 50 miles and I'm going to tap out, um, respectively. So I got 55 in and I respectively tapped out of that hundred miler. Um, well, you gave some, uh, st statistics in the email. Did, was there 13 runners? Is that what those? There, there was 32 of us that started. Oh, 32. <clears throat> um, only five finished four, wow. four men, and, four men and one woman. And, the original cutoff time was 36 hours and the race director, I, I know him personally, um, he just wanted the race to be you know, successful. So he actually lifted um, the cutoff just so that he could have some people complete it because no one had ever ran this. So he didn't really have an idea of, 
you know, how long it would take somebody to complete the course. Yeah. And wow, so that's rough. the cutoff was 36 hours. And so he lifted that and there was two, um, the winning time, um, that runner, uh, Marcus, he, he trains in that area. He finished it in 29 hours. And then, um, the last runner that came through finished it in just under 40 hours. That's a long time to be out there. Yeah. That's, that becomes a multi-day. Yeah. And I was like, physically, I was like, there's no way physically. I don't think that I'm trained to come out here and be out here 40 hours. And that, that's the part that really started looking, you know, am I physically, I know that I can do the hundred miles, but am I physically and mentally capable of handling 40 hours out here by myself? Yeah. So you didn't have any crew, anybody there to pace you no. or anything like that? There was, there was people out to pace, but you know, it was very limited and I had no crew and, um, you know, it's because the, the aid stations and the, the loop was spread out just enough to where, you know, if you needed something, you know, within seven to 10 miles, you've got something to, to help you. But yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Those seven to 10 miles become very far when it's only, when you're only moving a mile and a half to two miles though. Exactly. <laughs> so then uh, are they, are they changing the race at all? Do you know, or is it, is it yeah. staying the same or so, was yeah, it one of those yeah. things where you got home and you're like, I will never do that again. And somehow some way you signed up again. <laughs> I, there was actually people signing up for it before the weekend was over for next year. Um, Man. they did change it. He actually added another 35 miles. So now they have a 135 mile option. Wow. Uh, um, I'm probably not going to run that race, um, next year. Um, if I pick anything else, it'll probably be something a little less, uh, challenging. Um, my elevation just in the 55 miles that I ran, my elevation was over 6,000 feet of gain. Yep. yep. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, I wanted to run a hundred miles, but I'm not a runner naturally. And, uh, so I wanted to test the distance to see, is this something that I want to do? Uh, you know, I'd love to do a, a Zion or, a you know, some other, a hundred mile race, but I wanted to know one, can I get through it? And if I went and did one and I wasn't successful, would that destroy any chance that I would ever do it again or not. So yeah, I'll, I, I say I took the safe route in a sense that the course I'm doing is, is a looped course. Um, so it's, you know, you're only ever, it's a couple miles, which mentally is a whole different problem, right? When you're coming through every two miles, you got a lot of chances right. to quit. But uh, I feel like I took the safe route in that sense that uh, I wanted to introduce myself to it, but not, uh, you know, destroy my chances and kind of figure out, okay, I can do this now. Let's go find something a little more challenging where you, uh, yeah, you went, you went for the big one. Yeah. So the <laughs> next one, so the next attempt will be one that I plan on, you know, completing. And so that's kind of my quest now is, you know, I went out and tackled something that nobody had done yet. And, you know, I was, I was happy to get 55 miles in and it was, a, it was, you know, it's, it's a learning experience. And so now I know what my limits are as far as, you know, preparation and things like that. And so I'm looking at probably um, October of this, this upcoming 2019, the fall of 2019, to go out and, and complete, complete my first 100 miler. Nice. Have you selected the race yet? Or are you still kind of mm -hmm. trying to figure out what you're going to do? I've kind of narrowed it down. There's two. And so, you know, it's like you start looking at time and calendar and all that with kids activities and, and what's going on in life. And, you know, my boys play soccer. And so that's something that I, 
I try to navigate around. And so there's two races. Um, there's one here in Oklahoma um, that uh, that's ran um, the middle of October, and it's got majority multiple distances. It's where I um, ran my first ultra, uh, my first 50k. It's Pumpkin Hunter Hollard, and uh, it's up by Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And then there's another one, which is the Heartland um, Spirit up in Kansas, and it's in October. So those are two of the ones that I'm kind of eyeballing just because of the time of the year. It's not going to be too cold. It's not most likely not going to be too hot. And I know that those courses, one's, one's a looped course and the other's an out and back. Okay. And I know at least, you know, it's it's kind of a, a rails to trails on, on the Heartland. And, you know, I've ran the other one. So I know that I could do it. Cool. Yeah, you'll have to look... Uh... I'm not 100% familiar, but last night someone contacted me on Instagram, the race director of something called the Monarch Ultra. And what it is, is they are uh, basically promoting and trying, it's a conservancy, I don't know if that's the right uh, term for it, but essentially it's bringing awareness to the Monarch butterflies and the fact that they're disappearing and, and there's a whole effort into that. And they've put together this run that runs from Mexico or runs from Canada is where it starts. And basically it's the migration path of Monarch butterflies from Canada down to Mexico and reached out and asked, Hey, would you be interested in running a leg? And what they're doing, I think it's 3,400, um, kilometers and they've wow. broken it up into 50k to i think it's 50k segments all the way from canada to mexico and people are registering to run these sections and there's a day and a that they're doing it and they're filming the whole thing and creating a documentary and all of this but for me at first i said oh perfect uh, it's got to be near california right and but it's not at all i had no idea where monarchs uh, migrate from um i i was just interested because my daughter goes to uh uh, the local middle school and their their um, their mascot is the monarch butterfly. So I'm like, oh, perfect. But I start looking, right. and it essentially it runs from Mexico through Texas, up through Texas, and it makes its way all the way um, through Ohio and kind of that direction. Wow. Up to um, yeah, basically up through Ohio and then into Canada. So I, I don't know where that course aligns to where you're at, but uh, I'll have to send you the link because I, yeah. if I was anywhere near it, I think it would be really cool to run a leg of that, even if it, you know, a 50 K leg and be part of something like that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I'll shoot you the link. I don't know where it runs, if it's anywhere near you, but uh, might be something to, it's a training run. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Bonus mileage. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story and uh, the, the highs and lows and uh, the experiences you have. It's, uh, it's been great. I appreciate the time, Chris. It's, it's been an honor. Yeah. Well, one thing I didn't get to ask you is in your preparation for that hundred, um, Kind of what was your training schedule like? Did you use a training plan? And then did you, um, what was your longest run for, for the 100? Oh, sure. So I have a couple of different friends that have a couple of different training plans that they sent me that they've kind of, you know, developed. And I took two of them and kind of collaborated the two together to make kind of a hybrid plan. I, I tried to follow one of them as close to as possible. Um, kind of to fit it to my schedule and, and my liking. Um, the other one was a little bit more of an advanced 100-mile training plan. And so the, the the one that I looked that was closer was more of a novice, um, getting it into the idea of running those longer distances. Um, the longest run that I did was actually – so it, it was kind of unique how 
I did the training plan is um, about the times when I needed those really long runs is there was some races in the area um, on those weekends. And what better way to get that training mileage in to go and run a race and have that support um, with the race. And so um, I did, um, there was a marathon I did in, in, in December and then I did my uh, 50K uh, the middle of January and then did the 55K um, two weeks later. And so the 55K was the longest training run that I did. And that was, you know, that was uh, what, a little less than a month away from that first hundred mile attempt. So, okay. you know, so I did a 50 and a 55K within a month of my um, first attempt. So, yeah, that was uh, roughly 36 miles was, was the longest that I went out and ran. Okay. And how many days a week on average are you running? Um, I usually will run four days a week. Uh, okay. My body starts to break down if I'm running seven days a week. I try to, um, the schedule that I had, um, I had a rest day on Monday, a rest day on Wednesday, and a rest day on Friday. So basically, it was a rest day right before the really long runs on the weekend, and then a rest day on um, that following Monday after the long runs. Very cool. Yeah, that's uh, one thing I've been working towards is increasing my volume. Um, you know, not necessarily running, uh, shooting to try and run lots of miles per week. Um, I'm probably averaging 50 at this point, but it's, it's been, and that's something, uh, the coach I'm working with has been pushing is adding that extra day, right? Shortening the total mileage of any one run, but then running more. And, um, that was my issue is breaking down, but over time shortening those, I feel like it has helped quite a bit, you know, getting in, uh, more runs. The The downside of that is I'm doing less weightlifting and other things. So it's going to be trying to find that balance for me um, where I'm getting the cross training and I want and not just running. So I think that balance is always hard. Absolutely. <laughs> well, where can folks find you? I know uh, you're on Instagram and I think you just, you started a blog, which is very yeah. cool. And you yeah, recently you kinda... have been putting some uh, videos up online, which I, I, it's so funny because when you emailed me last night, you had emailed me a question and I was in the mode of getting ready for this race and I completely forgot about getting with you. So I will get back with you on doing these thumbnails. I, now that I realize it, I, I did not respond, but we'll, we'll get that figured out here. But where can folks yeah, find you? Good. So yeah, you kind of actually um, you kind of inspired me to you know I've I've written before, but I was like I'm gonna try the video blog thing and see how it goes. And so um, I'm on I'm, I'm on Instagram, Scarecrow Runner. Yeah, where's and, that come from? Yeah, so I I was wondering if you're gonna ask me that. So being from Kansas, um, you know, with the Wizard of Oz and the whole Scarecrow, my parents kind of nicknamed all of his kids. One of the you know. My brother's the tan, my sister's Dorothy, and I'm the scarecrow. And uh, so it's kind of that moniker, um, being from Kansas and I'm a runner. Um, I was like, you know, I'll just call, just call myself the scarecrow runner. And it's kind of stuck since then. And so I'm on Instagram and, and YouTube as scarecrow runner. Um, so I've started a, a, uh, a video di documentary, much like yours, Chris. Um, it's called 30 Strong. And I'm going to be videoing the documenting just like you are. Um, the joys and the pains of everything awesome. associated with my training for my hundred miler. Very cool. And then, uh, so yeah, Scarecrow, I'll put, I'll link it all, but Scarecrow Runner, uh, Instagram and, uh, and, uh, YouTube. And then you also have a blog that I'll put in there. I think that was scarecrowrunner.blogspot.com, I think. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. So I'll link all those so people can connect with you. And, uh, yeah, it's really neat to get to talk to people that are doing the same thing. They're dealing with the same 
balances. Uh, you know, it's funny. And as you start documenting your, your stuff, what you'll find, depending on, on how you go about it, I tried to create something that showed the balance of life, right? That I felt like nobody really wants to see me run. That's kind of boring. Yeah. Maybe they watch one of them, but how many, how many videos are they really going to watch of me running? Right. It gets, uh, I don't even want to watch videos of people running. Um, but trying to mix in the insights and the pain and the family and you know not wanting to put my family on line a lot but trying to mix that in enough so that people can see what's happening and it's funny because folks like yourself every once in a while I get an email from somebody and say you know it all looks great but how come I never see any uh, video of your your kid throwing a fit and uh, <laughs> exactly and uh, I always tell them, you know, as much as that is the reality, um, I, I say they have plenty of time in their lives to make themselves look dumb online. I, uh, I try and minimize it at this point. <laughs> Not at my cost. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And uh, it's been fun following you. And I look forward to following your journey online and, and seeing you knock out that first hundred. Well, I appreciate it, Chris, and I look forward to watching you knock out yours coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm excited. It's fun to uh, to to be this close. It's funny because we're already talking about what's going to be next, and yeah. uh, um, you know what what will be the next hundred. Which you know, I hate to uh, count my chickens before they hatch, but uh, <laughs> just enjoy your taper. Except, oh my God, I've been embracing it. This week has been uh, only some walking. And uh, uh, coming this weekend, which is tomorrow, I'll, I'll uh, start doing some running again. But uh, it was nice to actually, although I've been sick, so I haven't been running that much, actually, which might have been what worked out really great. It was a forced taper. <laughs> well, awesome. great. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you're enjoying it, uh, if you're on Facebook uh, or Facebook, if you're on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Uh, subscribe if, uh, if you'd uh, like to get notifications as to when we're doing more of these. And if you're listening to this on uh, one of the podcast applications like uh, iTunes or Google or Spotify, anything like that, and you're enjoying it, get a chance, give it a review, leave a comment, give it uh, some stars, anything like that helps with us finding it. And again, just a quick shout out to my Patreon supporters. I really appreciate all the support and all of your comments and uh, all the folks that uh, leave comments online uh, uh, on YouTube. Appreciate all of that. And uh, we will talk to you in just a few days. Out. Trail run.